Before we get into today's episode of One Shining Podcast, wanted to shout out my great co-workers at The Ringer that are running the Prestige TV podcast. And if you don't listen to that, go subscribe right now. They keep you up to date on what's happening in the hottest TV shows. And right now, The Bear is the main topic. Uh, and if you haven't checked out that show, go watch it right now. It sounds like Mr. K, a.k.a. Coach K, is the real star of the show. We'll talk about that later. But again, it is Prestige TV. Go check it out and listen now. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. On today's episode of One Shining Podcast, we have Nicole Auerbach from The Athletic joining the show. She's going to get us up to speed on all things NCAA, talk about the transfer portal, talk about the West Virginia portal palooza that's going on, and just talk about what the NCAA's future looks like in general. It's going to be a fun show. Excited to have Nicole on. She is a friend of the program, official, stamped, certified, all the above. So we're excited for that. Um, I'm also going to dive into the Paolo Bancaro versus Italy War that is going on right now. This is officially a basketball battle unlike anything we've ever seen. So excited to talk about that. And it turns out, uh, spoiler alert, Paolo and I are finally on the same side. I mean, maybe we were in 2022. I don't know. Um, who who knows? But, uh, you know, we, we are happy to be fighting the good fight here. Um, so I'll talk about that. Uh, Kyle, anything else before we get into today's episode? And this, this is going to be a good one. This is a jam-packed show. I'm going to have to put a rush on a new Tommy Bahama because your boy is greenlit for Summer League. But first, Woody Durham. He takes the timeout. Technical They're foul. The timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul. All right. Welcome back into One Shining Podcast. I am here. It is Wednesday. June 28th, and we have a great show for you today. We have Nicole Auerbach of The Athletic that's going to join us in about 10 minutes. But before we get to that part of the show, which is a great part of the show, I even Kyle, our producer, we just got done recording it. He was like, that was maybe the best interview we've ever done on the show. I don't know how to take that, but I'll take it as a good thing because Nicole's the best. But uh, I wanted to talk about a headline. I want to talk about some news because... You know, in this, you know, basketball landscape, obviously, I've talked about there are pretty much two sides, in my opinion, that you can choose. And it is a Duke side or a Carolina side. I look at everything through that lens. Is it Carolina blue? Is it Duke blue? I obviously have my side. I have my choice. Um, you know, I joined Gryffindor instead of Slytherin. It is what it is. But I have respect for them. But sometimes when you have a larger than life force that's coming after you, you have to fight back for the greater good. And that's what Team USA does, okay? That's what we do in this country. Uh, it is time for the World Cup, and it's coming up. And um, Paolo Bancaro, I, I am, would assume most people would think I would not like the guy. He's the number one pick. He goes to Duke. I actually do like the guy. Um, one, he let Carolina beat him in Coach K's last game in Cameron Indoor. Two, he let Carolina beat them in the Final Four. So as far as I'm concerned... I'm a big fan of Paolo Bancaro, and the headline of the week is that Paolo Bancaro told Italy, nah. He said, it's not happening. I'm a USA guy. I'm a Team USA guy. And, you know, in a time where we're all trying to be divided, it is great to see that me 
and Coach K and Paolo Bancaro and J.J. Redick, we can all row in the same direction and try to take down Italy as the greatest basketball powerhouse we can have. Um, and also, we have the uh, Italian Basketball Federation president, Gianni Petrucci. He is coming after our guy, Paolo. And yes, he's our guy now. The fact that he chose the USA when he could have gone to Italy and been the franchise player and taken 25, 30 shots a game. And he said, no, I'm willing to go to the USA team and and try to be one of many stars. Tip of the cap. We love to see it. Um, I, I feel bad for Italy. They're basically the new University of Washington, which is where Paolo's mom played. But most people thought Paolo would stay and play with the Huskies, but he decided to go to Duke. So Italy, um, call some some Washington fans in your life and say, uh, we get it. We've been there before. But look, this president came out um, and basically he is saying that Paolo playing for the U.S. is a betrayal. Um, he is going after our guy. He he is uh, trying to you know slander him basically, and it is time that we all you know band together and say that betrayal is too strong of a word. Um, this guy was getting recruited by both sides, and he picked the better side. He picked the winning side. I'm not going to be upset, you know, at a guy for picking the winners. You know, as someone who watched you know the final four in 2022 he probably wish he picked the winners in that situation too it just happens and this time he got it right so shout out to paolo um i'm excited about team usa this is grant hill for people that don't know this is grant hill's first run putting a roster together he's the president of team usa he took over after jerry colangelo retired so this is his roster and team usa right now has 11 of the 12 spots filled at this point and uh, the world cup starts august 25th um, right now, Paolo Bancaro, who I just said and defended and will defend um, as long as he's wearing a USA jersey. Shout out to Paolo. He is not running from the grind. There's a lot of people that are not Paolo. Um, but look at this roster. It's, it's a pretty fun roster. You got Paolo Bancaro. You got Mikel Bridges, uh, of course, Villanova great. You got a fellow Villanova great, Jalen Brunson. I love Brunson. I love him being the the captain, the leader of this group. Then you have have the probably the most talented player um, on this team. Paolo obviously has a case for that, but I think Anthony Edwards, Ant-Man, the number one pick, um, I think he's going to be the guy on this team. Uh, you got Tyrese Halliburton. He's beloved by NBA Twitter, so that'll be good as far as the press and the PR. You got Brandon Ingram, also a Dookie, but from Kinston, North Carolina, so he gets a pass. Shout out to Brandon. Excited to see B.I. there. Jaron Jackson Jr., Triple J, needed him on the roster. And then we got two Carolina guys. We got Cam Johnson from the Brooklyn Nets. Walker Kessler from the Utah Jazz had a great rookie year. Finished second behind Paolo Bencaro in Rookie of the Year voting. So I love those two additions. I love to see Carolina back on Team USA. Like I said, we're all rowing in the same direction. Um, and then we just got two great, I think they're glue guys. Um, Bobby Portis from the Bucks, Consummate winner. Um, a guy that wanted to go to Milwaukee with Giannis and a guy that Giannis respects. So I love that uh, we have a chance where you remember when Kobe ran over Pau Gasol um, in, in the Olympics in 2008. I feel like Giannis is going to do the same thing to Bobby Porter to try to Bobby Portis to try to send a message to the USA. Can't wait to watch it. I'm pretty sure Bobby Portis would square up with them, too, um, which I'd love to see that. That'd be great for America. Um, and then you got Austin Reeves, who is uh, he has gone on dates with Taylor Swift. He's about to make one hundred million dollars. Um, you know, he's the Arkansas Larry Bird. I call him the American Luka Doncic. Um, but that that right now is the um, 11 of 12 guys on the roster. It's a fun roster. I like the roster. I am proud of Paolo Bancaro. Um, you know, he's had some funny moments, right? When he went to the Miami Grand Prix uh, last year and, you know, uh, Martin Brindle uh, mistakes him for Pat Mahomes. Like, that was a funny moment. He goes and delivers for the Magic, gets him Rookie of the Year. Saruti loves him, right? All the Magic fans, Kevin Clark, they love him. So I I'm I'm happy to be able to pull for Paolo Bancaro. I have nothing against him. And I love that he decided to stick it to Italy. Italy is a beautiful country. I'm excited to go there for a wedding in September. I, I have nothing but love for Florence, a.k.a. Firenze. I mean, look, I love Italy. But at the end of the day, shout out to Tuscany. Um, but we're America. We're Americans. And this is Team USA. And we need all the horses we can get. So, Paolo Bencaro, you have my respect. Um, I got to shout that out. One last thing to shout out before we get into uh, Nicole's interview. Um, I guess this isn't a shout out, but it's just something I wanted to acknowledge. 
We had a little uh, hoopla backlash going on about, I went on Bill Simmons' podcast, uh, producer Kyle obviously produces that as well. After the NBA draft, we were talking about the precipitous fall of Cam Whitmore and Villanova. Um, I made a comment about how his coach should probably stick his neck out for his player. Um, I thought that was common knowledge, uh, but I said that and, uh, you know, it got aggregated, spun around out there. I just want to say on the record on One Shining Podcast, um, one, it's okay. Sometimes coaches and players don't get along. I mean, look at Coach K and Corey Maggette. That happens. I mean, look at Calipari and Chris Livingston. I mean, they, they didn't have the, the best relationship when it comes to the draft. And then he put out a, a damage control tweet. But look, it happens. I think Cam Whitmore is, it was, it was about his medicals. It was about him being an introvert. And it was about the fact that he didn't necessarily seem like, you know, the, uh, a beaming teammate, right? So these are factors that fall into it. I think he's going to be a really good player. I'm excited to watch him. That was not trying to go after Kyle Neptune. I, I'm pulling for Kyle Neptune. I love the roster that they got put together. So Villanova fans, it's okay. Just take a deep breath. It wasn't a shot. It's all right. Um, I'm over 2016. Uh, North Carolina won in 2017. That was the redemption. We're, we're all good. I love Villanova. If I had to choose any Wildcat, it would probably be Villanova. Maybe Davidson. Who knows? But, you know, we can all converse about it. Um, but I just wanted to point that out, that uh, that wasn't me breaking news. That was something that was told by multiple, multiple NBA teams and insiders and scouts. And it was something that was talked about pretty brazenly. So I, uh, I did not know I was breaking news. But sometimes when you're when you're given scoops, you don't know the power of the scoop. And uh, and look, I'm not a scooper. I'm a reactor. The only thing I have ever scooped. Um, well, I've scooped a few things, but the only thing I really care about scooping was the Coach K farewell tour. Remember that. Put that on my tombstone. Scoop the Coach K farewell tour. That's all I care about. Everything else is just conversation. We're just trying to have fun. We're trying to talk about basketball. Um, but there you have it. Those are the two prongs to hit. Paolo Bancaro, you're the man. Welcome to America. Big hug. Let's go win gold. Um, number two, Kyle Neptune, it's not about you. It was about Cam Whitmore. And I hope Cam Whitmore has a great career in Houston. I thought he might even go number four to Houston. But guess what? Things work out in the end. It's all okay. He'll be fine. He'll make millions. Um, coming up right now, The Athletics, Nicole Auerbach. All right. Now joining us on OSP, she is from The Athletic and one of our many friends of the program with a capital J. She is the great Nicole Auerbach. Nicole, thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. There's a lot of news uh, in the world of college sports, and you keep us up to date. And you coverage every, you know, cover everything about the sports. Uh, you know, as far as like football, softball, whatever it is. It's all Simone Biles is coming back for Team USA, right? There's a lot happening in the news. But before we get into some of the more serious sports talk, I saw that you did a TED talk, and I, I feel like I was of the TED talk generation, like in college, that's when it became a big thing. But I saw that you did this and the, and the message was being aggressive in a good way. Um, I thought that was a great message. So I, I wanted to ask you about that experience. One, what was it like giving a TED talk? And two, how fun was it getting that message out there? It was incredibly stressful. <laughs> um, <laughs> I bet. That's, that's what I would feel I, like. <laughs> it was. Um, so I did it at the University of Michigan where I graduated from. And so right. I guess every year they put on their TEDx UMich event and it's someone like the, they do eight speakers each year and they all either went to Michigan or taught at Michigan or I think like have to have worked in the community. Like there was a local restaurant owner as well who didn't go to Michigan, but has been in Ann Arbor. You have for to know time. hail to the victors, right? If you know hail to the victors, Probably, you, can, you yes. can do this. Yeah. Yes. Like, can you do that without, <laughs> you know, can you do the, the, can you get the fist pump at the right time? Like, right. you know, you have to do all the tests. Um, but so they, they reached out and they were like, you know, hey, like, would you, do you have a topic that you think you could talk about for 10 or 12 minutes? So I gave it some thought and I thought about, yeah, you know, like being a woman in a male dominated industry and like right. sort of balancing what you need to do to be good at your job while also like understanding that, you know, you'll get labeled a certain way or people use certain adjectives if you are that way because of, you know, perceptions and expectations about women in a lot of different areas in life. So I was like, you know what, I think I could, I could expand on that and do it. They didn't tell me until after I already agreed to do it, I had to memorize the entire speech. I thought when I watched a TED talk, I thought that they have, you know, little a prompter prompter somewhere. Yeah. People are looking at. <laughs> nope. So, um, so honestly, like once I knew the idea and like got it written down and, and knew what I wanted to say, that part was fine. Cause I write for a living. Then I was just terrified for a month 
that I wouldn't memorize at all or that I would forget something in the middle of it. And I was, I literally, I don't think I slept well for a straight month before I gave this talk. And the second I was done and I was like, okay, finished it. Didn't trip over myself, like (laughs) said everything I was supposed to. There was like such a huge sigh of relief. And then it was very cool to now have it out in the world that it's finished. And it's like this very vulnerable topic that I don't always talk about. Um, but I think it like really resonates with any woman in in a lot of businesses, but any male dominated field. So that has been super rewarding. Um, and I'm just like always honored when people tell me they spent the 10 minutes watching it, but I cannot tell you the month, two months leading up to that were some of the most stressed out I have ever been in this, in this profession. I was going to say that was my follow-up question because it did seem like it came straight off the dome. And I was like, wow, this is so impressive. That <laughs> It felt like you were ad-libbing the whole thing. I, I watched it this morning, but uh, that really you know, stuck out to me. And I, I guess the X is for anxiety, right? That's what they were putting you through this entire time uh, preparing for that. But no, it's a it's a great message. And uh, you know, if you're listening right now, go check that out. Like you said, it's on YouTube. It's 10 minutes. It's not long, but um, I, you know, I appreciate, you know, as you're climbing the ladder, the, the best thing you can do is turn around and reach and, and pull people up another rung and uh i think that's always a great message and uh, i wanted i wanted to to knock that out before we get we get into some of the ncaa serious stuff and i have one more fun question again before we get into that i want to talk about grady dick because uh, he was a star in college basketball last year he became kind of the main character of the nba draft and we haven't talked about it on this show um as as much as we should have because i wanted to talk to you about this you you know when it came out you you quote tweeted it and just said i have thoughts and I think we all have a lot of thoughts. Um, he's excited about Drake wearing his jersey. He's wearing number one. He's going to Toronto. He's the king of TikTok. What can you tell us about Grady Dick? And what what other thoughts do you have about this guy going to the Raptors? Uh, well, yes. I think if you've watched his TikToks or any of his <laughs> social media presence, you know you're getting a very goofy and fun-loving guy. Um, I think my favorite Grady Dick moment, although I, there's a few because I think announcers There's have a lot. had quite a bit of fun having uh calling his games and shots and different <laughs> moments of games of um with that name but did you see the 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 newspaper the kansas student newspaper like the front page that they ran where it was this is one of like you can only get away with this stuff at student newspapers that's why they're yes. the best so it, it's it's the top says big and then it's a giant photo of grady dick and then the bottom says energy and i was like that is so good <laughs> so good that's amazing um, that's yes, journalism. No, I, I love that. It, that is exactly student <laughs> journalism. You push the envelopes. You get to write a lot of stuff. At Michigan, one of the headlines that um, we ran when I was there was Cox, 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 because the Michigan men's tennis team was playing South Carolina. And like mm. it was a direct quote from one of the players being like, all I heard was Cox, Cox, Cox. And we were like, <laughs> all right, there's our headline. Um, but you get away with that stuff in college, in college papers. Uh, but no, the outfit itself, I honestly, I couldn't. Incredible. It was so like, I don't think it would be as bad if it fit better, but like the oversized shoulders, <laughs> the, like the, it was the really shoulder boxy. pads were incredible. I think that was the best oh. part about it. It seemed like, uh, it seemed like something that like John C. Riley would do in a movie as a character, like, you know, or, or yeah. like the righteous gemstones. Right. I mean, it, it, well, that, a, it basically of, was right. BJ. <laughs> yeah. EJ had the same outfit. He quote tweeted that and said that he's excited to be a Toronto Raptor. So <laughs> shout out to Tim Baltz. Yeah, yep, that's awesome. Great. That uh, that was a great moment in time. I thought Grady Dick really showed us that uh, you know, college basketball players—they're just kids—and it was a fun moment. And uh, again, he became kind of the star of the draft because of that. So shout out to Grady Dick. I want to talk to you about one of our other favorite characters in the world of One Shining Podcast. That is the great Penny Hardaway. Um, he is serving, I think we haven't talked about this on the show yet, but he is serving a three-game suspension to start the season. You were reporting on this. Um, you know, in the I, I saw in the report it said, quote, ignorance of the rules is not an excuse, um, which is a, a famous thing that South Park Cartman's character said, you know, he misinterpreted the rules. Um, that is what we see in college sports all the time, right? The, the, the plausible denial ability that goes behind it. Um, but in good news, they, you know, Memphis just signed Jordan Brown. So there's some positive stuff for the Tigers. But what what is the NCAA model now? And like we see Will Wade getting a show calls. We see Penny getting suspension last year, Bill Self. Um, it feels like the NCAA is still getting these punishments out, but slowly and surely we're moving farther and farther away from the NCAA model. Am I correct in that? Yeah, I mean, I think think about the reaction to those suspensions that you just brought up. Every, it's just a shrug. 
It's a collective shrug. <laughs> right. Well, Wade has already been hired and they knew he was going to get penalties. So they proactively suspended him for five games. Like a show cause is daring someone to hire that person again and say that they believe that they can follow the rules. Well, they already did that. They already hired him. And so he gets a 10 game suspension. No one called for him to be fired from this opportunity. Uh, there really wasn't even that much backlash when Kansas basically said in response to their investigation, nope, we're just going to basically <laughs> give Bill Self a lifetime contract, right? Like the reason that Sean Miller lost his job at Arizona was not his involvement in the scandal. It's because they lost basketball games. Like this whole era uh, has really highlighted a totally different attitude that everyone's had about the NCAA and NCAA punishments. It used to mean something that you were under NCAA investigation. And now you've seen so many schools just say, we're not going to cooperate. It's not going to help us. It doesn't mean anything. Or just kind of say it doesn't matter. And we'll take whatever short suspension you've got, but we're going to keep the coach. We're going to move on. We don't think it's that big a deal. And I think especially with some of these basketball cases, it's really hard to get worked up over paying recruits or paying players or anything like that when we're in a world where NIL is legal. And because these cases have taken so long to go through the process, this has been legal for multiple years. So yeah, like, okay, you know, a strong-ass offer to get a kid to LSU. Well, now you want your collective to be giving (laughs) strong-ass offers. Like, that's the world we live in. So I just think that has totally shifted. And honestly, I think a lot of it goes back to Johnny Manziel. When he got a half a game suspension for signing his own autograph, people were sort of like, dude, really? Like, really? Are you really going to suspend someone? for them being famous, them being successful enough that people want to pay them for their autograph and it's their own autograph. And I thought that got such to the core of like the idea of name, image, and likeness, just like the video game does. And it just really changed public opinion completely. And it's it's clear that the NCAA has never been weaker, but I think also public opinion, like people generally don't love the NCAA and a lot of reasons, for a lot of reasons for a long time. But now I think that they just, kind of ignore it like there's just a collective shrug to the idea of ncaa penalties now yeah i remember todd Gurley. like it maybe it was a year or two before johnny manzel he got you know basically villainized for signing yep. this stuff and everyone's like this guy shouldn't be playing at georgia and then that was kind of like the watershed moment where you know everything turned 180 the other way and we're like what are, what are we even doing here and speaking of what are we doing here um, the NCAA came out and they said schools must comply with their NIL rules in states with conflicting laws. So if your state says this is fine, you can do this. They pass the NIL, you know, in a um, NIL bill, then, you know, it doesn't matter according to the NCAA enforcement because they're saying you have to abide by our laws. So now we have two different masters for all the people that are trying to figure out how to deal with this new setup. And it seems like eventually the NCAA is going to be proven to be the weaker of these two forces, right? When it comes to state and government, you know, and things like that, it feels like the NCAA really doesn't have an arm to actually enforce what they're trying to enforce. I mean, the rules, rules versus laws, right? And, and, right. and I think that that has been something, again, kind of going back to how all of this was covered or talked about. And, the, and again, the severity, the way that people reacted to NCAA investigations people did act like people were breaking the law. I mean, you look back to like the way people covered Bruce Pearl's barbecue. I mean, people were acting like, or Kelvin Sampson in the phone calls, right? phone calls, right. Again, something that became then legal later on. People villainized the people for breaking the rules. And I understand like you signed up for this job and there are certain expectations and rules that you follow and you weren't following them. But like people were acting like people broke the law. And that changed as well, where people are like, no, these are just rules. These are voluntary rules and a voluntary association change. And that are maybe behind the times or haven't evolved. Or there's pressure points from the courts or from Congress to force them to change. And I think that that's really where this has kind of all come to a head, because even NIL, which is now obviously the law of the land, that came because California passed the bill and pushed different states to do it and then that kind of pushed everybody everyone kind of jumped in front of each other to have it take effect on july 1 2021 and then the ncaa in the 11th hour backed into a corner had to kind of throw up their hands and say okay our interim policy is if you have a state that has a law you follow that and everybody else can kind of set their own policy but you're allowed to accept money you know for name image and likeness deals 
because they weren't proactive on any of these things. But it came from the states pushing and pushing and pushing. And right now, more states are pushing and pushing. You know, you've got Texas, Missouri, Arkansas, Oklahoma, places that are trying to push for more direct involvement for the schools so that they could have, you know, like their actual longstanding fundraising arm or donor group, more direct involvement in the rewards, the perks of donating to a collective. Maybe you get, you know, a season ticket package or, or up, seat upgrades or club access or something like that. And some of these laws are also saying specifically, don't follow the NCAA rule, follow this. Like this state law supersedes that. And so for the NCAA to come out and say like, no, you are a member of the NCAA, so you have to follow our rules over your state law. That's not what's going to happen. We've right. already heard from athletic directors in those states saying they're going to follow the state law. That is the law of the land for them. And they, in a lot of cases, they worked with their lawmakers to make the law what it is. And they believe that that gives them an advantage or it's easier to manage NIL. So people aren't going to just voluntarily give up what they're allowed to by their state law. And so I think this is eventually going to come to a head. Someone's going to sue over you know, an NCAA, NCAA violation that is actually legal according to the state law. And we'll go from there. But it is kind of crazy that the NCAA is coming out here being like, we're actually above the law. Like you need to follow <laughs> us and not your state law. Well, they've kind of operated like that for a long time. And I remember Gavin Newsom going on the shop, you know, signing the bill. And that was like this big moment in time where it's like things are eventually going to change. I feel like it all started kind of when the FBI had their flow chart and they said, we know your game plan. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, that that whole, you know, Jeff D'Angelo debacle is what I like to call it. But I mean, the, the whole thing was insane. But you talked about proactive and reactive. Obviously, the NCAA is very reactive to things. But it does seem like a lot of teams and a lot of programs are very proactive when it comes to conference realignment. Um, I saw a quote from Tommy Lloyd, the head coach of Arizona, the other day saying, basically, they're just going to you know, be told what the decision is, and then they're still going to operate as if they are Arizona. But there's you know, a lot of conversations about what is the future of the Pac-12. You got San Diego State in the Mountain West standoff, right? So there's just a lot going on. Even UConn, right? They win the national championship, and immediately the conversation is, should they go to the Big 12? Could they? Could they make more money in the Big 12? So this is the the other large cloud over college sports right now. And it's a proactive programs like, you know, Texas and Oklahoma, reactive programs like we're going to see in the Pac-12. What is happening with conference realignment and where do we stand right now? And are we headed for a super conference? Because that's what we forecasted last year. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people do believe that that's eventually where this is headed. And obviously we are in a period of consolidation and stratification. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think of when I think of like the idea of a power two and the Big Ten and the SEC being so far above their peer conferences that we've called the power five. I mean, that's where the separation is at this level right now because they added, because the SEC got Texas and Oklahoma and the Big Ten got USC and UCLA. So they got the crown jewels out of other leagues that were comparable to them. And you already had some of that re revenue differential, but now it's more extreme and it's going to be so more by the end of the decade. Uh, with these new media rights deals taking effect. So you're already moving in that direction. I hope we don't get to that. I mean, I, I think the, the healthiest college sports is, is with regional balance and more conferences as opposed to less. So I, I hope that that doesn't continue to happen because, you know, I just think that so much of what makes college sports great is the regional part of it. The fact that your rivals are down the road or in your state or, you know, that you have all of these history and we've lost so many rivalries due to conference realignment. We're getting a couple of them back because A&M and Texas are now going to be in the same league again, but it's taken forever even to get the backyard brawl back on the schedule, the border war back on the schedule. You know, you just don't want to think about a world where if the ACC were to break open and this grant of rights gets challenged, there could be a world where Duke and Carolina aren't in the same league and, and maybe not playing each other. Like, I just don't want to go down that road, even though, in so many ways, it feels like we are because schools are now operating like, what is best for me? Then what is best for my league? And then what is best for the greater good? So no one's really looking out for their greater good of college sports right now. 
it feels like a very every man for himself. And then, you know, you have cliques that are forming where teams are like, we're similar in the way that we're structured yeah. and what we're looking for. And like you said, there's a future, which is insane to think about where Duke could be in the big East and North Carolina could be in the sec or the big 10. And <laughs> that would be a quote unquote new reality, but also these schools are eight miles apart. So what sense would that make at any level? So, I mean, the, the third prong I want to talk about in the, the larger conversations that we have during the dog days of summer is the transfer portal. You put this out. This is a new report that the D1 Council introduced a proposal to reduce transfer windows to 30 days down from 60 days as it is now. Um, we call it the wild, wild west, but the transfer portal is crazy. Grad transfers, obviously, there is no window. They can do what they want to do pretty much right now. They're, they're all looking around still. Um, we saw that with Javon Quinterly at Alabama. It's June and now we're transferring. Insane. So how are they trying to manage the portal and trying to keep it somewhat contained even though it is already pretty much insane? So that's a great question. And I feel like it is the big question. Like part of the reason that everything feels like it's changing so fast and is so chaotic and everyone uses the, the, the phrase, the wild west is because you had the transfer portal rule change or the, the transfer rule change to play immediately. Yep. And then NIL happened. So like, to me, they're just inextricably linked because it is, created incentives to go into the portal to see what else is out there. Maybe you're, it's more lucrative for you to leave the school that you're at. And, and they're kind of, they're directly tied. And obviously there's tampering and poaching and all of these other elements to that too. But what I expect to see, and we are already seeing this um, because again, the D1 council is proposing to shorten the windows, but I think people are going to look at the dates as well and look at what they are for each sport, because this is just the first year of the portal windows. And the idea was that it would help have a little bit better of a sense of like when you need to worry about roster construction and that the players in the program could also see, okay, here is the window of time and here's what, okay, I'm a wide receiver. These are the receivers that are in the portal or here's what my roster is going to look like because our quarterback left and have a better sense of it. But it's exactly what you just said. The fact that you're talking about prominent transfers in June, that's really not what this is supposed to be. I mean, then it becomes entirely year round. And for coaches, there's no break. Like it's just the end of the season into the start of the next season. And there, 60 days is a long time. So the proposal to cut that in half to go to 30 days, I think makes a lot of sense, but you have to figure out which, when you're going to start it, right? Because for the NCAA tournament, if you're not making the NCAA tournament, Totally makes sense, right? The end of your regular mm -hmm. season, you want to think about where you want to go for next year. But for teams in the tournament, that's five weeks later to make that decision. So how do you manage that and then and make it fair to everyone, but also not have this thing stretch into June? I think that's the bigger issue. So I think we're going to continue to hear proposals and conversation around how the portals should be structured and when they should be. And they're probably going to be different, even for like, if you say basketball versus other winter sports, probably a different calendar that makes more sense. Yeah, I mean, it's basically, we're going to hear the terms roster construction a lot in mm -hmm. college basketball, and it's going to sound a lot like the NBA. And, you know, we've already seen teams like Duke hire a general manager, right? So they're, that's going to be, we're almost going to be building front offices for these college teams, which is uh always a, a fascinating conversation and it gets farther and farther away from, you know, the college basketball that we once knew. Um, one last thing before we let you get out of here, cause I know you got a chiropractor appointment. We want to make sure that we're, we are pro back here, right? We do not like back pain. It is one of the, uh, one of the foes of the program. We have a lot of friends. We also have a lot of foes. Back pain is one of them. Um, uh, but the last thing I want to talk about March madness, obviously, you know, there were some great moments on the men's side. UConn dominates on their way to a title, but I felt like the big winner of March was the women's basketball tournament um, between Caitlin Clark, Angel Reese, um, South Carolina's entire team with Dawn Staley leading them. There, there was just a lot of conversation and it felt like they almost were the more talked about tournament just as far as the coverage and forecasting to next year. How fun is that to look ahead and think about what LSU is going to look like? Obviously, Iowa's trying to run it back. UConn with Paige Beckers and AZ Fudd. South Carolina will be around. So there's a lot to look forward to in the women's game. And how great was that for the month of March? I agree with you. I mean, I was I was in Dallas for the women's final four and I didn't feel FOMO. I didn't feel like yeah, I was right. missing something by not being I felt like I was looking because, forward to it more, to be honest with yeah. you. Yeah. And and you're not alone. Like I have a lot of friends who either play basketball or love basketball. And they were telling me, so I had the anecdotal evidence, right? That 
they were scheduling their days around the women's games in that final four, the semis and the title game. And that has never happened before. And my entire Twitter feed was was play by play or live reactions to the games. It was, if I felt it even before we saw the viewership numbers setting all the records and the fact that over 12 million people tune into that women's final, I, I, you, you could just feel it because it was the conversation. And I think even the fact that you just named off like a handful of household names shows that the game is in a different place because the fact that there are all of these entry points, um, oh, I want to see what Caitlin Clark is going to do, or I'm going to feel like mm-hmm. I'm missing something if I don't watch her because she's a walking triple-double or she can hit these logo threes. Uh, that creates something. You watch it, you're like, okay, I'm invested. I'm interested. I want to see how far this team could go. The, the narrative of Caitlin Clark and then, you know, South Carolina trying to go for back-to-back uh, titles and a perfect season, there were just so many compelling reasons to get into the sport this year. And then for LSU to then dominate the portal and add the two best players available in the portal, they're going to be the team everybody hates. Like, that is good for the sport. To have, like, I've been calling them, like, Death Star LSU because <laughs> – yeah. Already people have their opinions about Angel Reese and Kim Mulkey, and they're unapologetically going to be who they are. They have not pulled any of that back, and they're going to do that again. And then you added Haley Van Lith, also a great shit talker, and that's, again, (laughs) part of where all of this came about. And and a main character of the tournament, right? And the fact that she's now with LSU, like you said, you created like a super team in the women's game. I mean, that's a a major storyline. It's like the Heatles all over again. Yeah, and, and again, like, and people have strong feelings about that team. Like, there were a lot of Keaton Clark fans and a lot of Iowa fans that were upset about the way the game ended and the taunting and all these things. And you know what that's going to mean? That means they're going to tune in for big games for Iowa, for LSU, for all of these teams next year. Um, and it's it's so interesting, obviously, this is coming up as the NCAA has to figure out their media rights and if they're going to spin off the women's tournament separately because it's growing so fast and there's real opportunity there. But it really does feel like it's it's the things that typically get anyone into any sport, right? It's stars that get you invested. Excellence gets you invested as well. And then there is more parity in the women's game. In the earlier rounds, you're seeing more upsets. We saw two number one seeds lose on their home court in early rounds. So that creates drama too. So I think that game is in a great place, and I think it's been really awesome to see that translate. Like, I'm sure you saw that video of Caitlin Clark signing autographs at the minor league baseball game, and it's just like crowds and crowds and line and line keeps going, keeps going, keeps going. That is actually true stardom. That's what, like, NIL value really is, like real NIL, if she endorses something. But that's real. There there is real star, star power and household names in the women's game, and I think that that is, that's why it's in such a good place. And I think in the men's game, you still have a lot of players moving around, not sure who's on what team when the season comes around. And you have this changing of the guard with the coaches having lost a couple of Hall of Famers. So it's it's kind of a the time is right for the women's game to to step up. And I think the tournament itself delivered, and that's how you make new fans and you hope that they come back next year. Yeah, my producer and I, Kyle, we went to the uh, Wooden Award ceremony and they had a little sit down with Dawn Staley and Caitlin Clark and just the back and forth between the two of them and the respect that they both had for each other and what they did in March. I mean, Caitlin Clark was basically just glowing about Dawn Staley and how she looked up to her and watched her on Team USA. And it it was just a great moment in time. And uh, you mentioned, you know, the changing of the guard in men's college basketball quickly. You know, before it was kind of Coach K was, you know, if if we needed to go to the Pope of college basketball to get a, a blessing, it, it felt like you had to go to Coach K. Who, in your opinion, is that guy right now? We lost Jay Wright. We lost Ray Williams, right? Um, you know, Tony Bennett's a name you see. Mark Few's a name. Scott Drew. But who do you think is kind of that guy, that central figure in college basketball? Or is the, is the throne empty um, at, at this point? Are we still waiting to see? Well, it's definitely, um, you know, you're still waiting to see like the John Shires and, and kind of that wave of coach um, continue to evolve and step up. And, and I'm sure that, that that can happen. But I think right now you're, you're still looking at the Hall of Famers that you have because you don't know how much longer they want to do it. And the rate still, their, their voice still carries a lot of weight. So that's, you know, I think of like Bill Self, John Calipari, Tom Izzo, Mark Few. That's probably mm-hmm. the group. That's the final but four. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it is, especially with Beheim retiring, because even though, you know, maybe Beheim's opinions were always a little bit out there, you know, these are people that 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 just carried weight because they've they've been the faces of this sport for so long. But I think it's it's absolutely right. Like it's it's Coach K, really. Like he was the one who 
um, would talk about like the state of the game and, and, and talk about um, issues and NIL and all of his concerns about where the sport was headed, but literally anything. If he gave a ring endorsement of someone, that mattered. If he had a take on something else, that mattered. And it, and it forced change. And so without him, um, it's definitely not quite the same. But I do think, you know, you still have Izzo, you still have Self, you still have Calipari, um, and, and they're kind of the faces of the sport right now. But you also have this generation of younger coaches coming up that are getting their feet wet. Like, I do think there are some great young coaches out there. But, you know, you, you need to kind of be successful at a certain level before, again, like the world stops when you talk. And, and we're not quite there with some other guys. But that's why I think Jay Wright's retirement was a blow for the sport as a whole because, obviously, he's won multiple titles. He's so personable and engaging. But he really had taken on that mantle. And I mm-hmm. think now it's uh, that part is up for grabs. Although, again, I still think, you know, if, if Mark Few is, is opining about the state of scheduling or conference <laughs> realignment or the size of the NCAA tournament, you're going to listen. It's just not the same as a Coach K. And, and again, there's only one of him. Although, apparently, have you been watching The Bear? Have you watched The Bear? I, I heard I have I have not been watching. I watched the first season, but I haven't. Started, but I heard that there's a lot of Coach K references in there. Um, which is, he, he knows what he's doing. That's great marketing. <laughs> he is all over it. And his, his autobiography is all over it. And I'm just like, basically Hulu, uh, the season two of the bear, it's basically a sports movie. And like, yeah. it's, they're all kind of like preparing for the big game at the end of the year, like set up that way, but he's everywhere in that. So, I mean, even though he's not coaching, he's still influencing pop culture this way. But I, I, I do think that that's part of the transition and kind of the men's game being in a little bit of flux right now. Yeah, we miss Jay Wright. I think you're 100% right on that. Even at the Final Four in 2022, when you had those four-storied programs, you know, you have, mm-hmm. it was Hubert Davis's first year, but then you have Coach K, you have, you know, Jay Wright there. Then, of course, you have Bill Self, who goes on to win the national championship. But it felt special in that moment, and it felt like, you know, the classic, the league is in good hands. Um, but yeah. we miss Jay Wright um, at this point. But, um, you know, in, in good news, you got a guy like Dan Hurley, son of a legendary coach, Bob Hurley, you know, goes and wins the national championship. Even if you look at the NBA game, right? Brendan Malone's son, Mike Malone. So some of those second generation guys are stepping up as coaches as well. Um, Nicole, I know you got to get out of here. I appreciate you coming on the show. This has been great. You're welcome here anytime. And uh, if you don't follow Nicole's work, go follow it at The Athletic. She's the best. You can follow her on Twitter as well. Nicole, thanks so much for coming on OSP. Really appreciate you. Yeah, happy to come on anytime you want. All right, there you have it. Nicole Auerbach. Um Fired up. She's great. I hope her back is okay. Um, Kyle, you know this. Uh, I had terrible back problems from our times editing all these mini podcasts. You have back problems for doing the same thing. Anyone that has back problems, when you see someone else or you, someone else tells you they're going to the chiropractor, it's like if you're a military vet and someone's telling you they're going off to war, right? You're just, you're on their side. You, you treat them with this type of reverence where you're just like, Godspeed, I'm pulling for you. I hope we can knock out the big, bad back pain. Um, So shout out to her. She was great. That was a great interview. I feel like we got up to speed. I feel like if you're listening to this show for the college basketball facts and figures, Nicole Auerbach you said brought the facts and figures. You know what I mean? Yeah, finally. Right. They're like, please stop with the conjecture. Go back to the facts and figures. Um, Nicole's great. We'll have her back on the show. Um, and now we do, at this part of the show, we do shout outs. I want to shout out the newly uh, deemed SEC ACC Challenge, Kyle. This is happening. It is not just the ACC Big Ten Challenge. We got the SEC. We got the ACC. And we got some good matchups. Um, headlined by Duke going to Arkansas. I think that is going to be insane. Must bus against Duke in Bud Walton. Are you kidding me? That is going to be electric to say the least. Uh, Filipowski, there's no telling what they're going to chant at this guy in Arkansas. (laughs) I I cannot wait to watch that. And you also got the Miami Hurricanes. Uh, Shout out to Kevin Clark, but they're going to go and play in Lexington, Kentucky against Calipari. Um, That's going to be fun. Larinaga, Calipari, uh, just a, a good matchup of two quality programs. We also got Rick Barnes, um, who had his little squabble back in the day with Dean Smith. He's coming to Chapel Hill to play the Tar Heels. So those are three uh, matchups I wanted to highlight. So shout out to that. The SEC-ACC Challenge could just be one conference in the future, as Nicole was telling us. But for now, it's a challenge, and we're going to be watching. That'll be good. Um, shout out to North Dakota State transfer Grant Nelson. He, have, he officially committed to Alabama. He was kind of the, the big name that was floating out there 
everyone was trying to figure out where he was going to go, trying to, you know, jockey for position with Grant Nelson. But he's going to go play uh, for Nate Oates. So shout out to him. That's a good one. That's a good pickup. Shout out to us, Kyle. It's officially shout out to us season because uh, next week we will be flying in to Las Vegas for Summer League. And this will be the first time you and I are at Summer League together since, what, 2019? That was 2019. What a year that was. That was great. Wow. Four years ago, um, the, trying to play top golf with Chris Vernon, um, Titus taking us to a dinner with Mike Conley, um, Rosillo, Billy Preston signed my dollar. Billy Preston signed your dollar. Uh, we, we went to top golf with Greg Oden and Titus and and Rosillo. That was fun. I think they wiped that from history because I won. Uh, but that did happen. I got to find that. I got to find that scoreboard. I, I got to bring that up. Media section. That was something. Yeah, Mitch. You tried to sit next to Mitch Kupchak with a beer. And, I did sit and, next. I made it. For, I had like two full beers before they kicked me out. Right. I think you brought us a beer at that point. Um, I think I brought beers and you guys were like, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, you go yeah, ahead, buddy." But like yeah. without telling me, like, "Yeah, you're probably gonna get in trouble. You can't, you can't like cheer in media section. You can't drink in media section. Probably shouldn't be wearing those sunglasses inside." Uh, I was, I was, uh, I was a novice and I'm ready. I'm, I'm going to be like, I might go, I might go like Tommy Bahama, like pressed shirt. Wow. You know what I mean? Like I might go like, you know, relaxed, but professional, you know? I like that. I like the casual, like a very Charlie Sheen in two and a half men look uh, is yeah. what I'm vis- envisioning. Like, what in is my this mind. guy's deal? It looks like he might be like part ownership, but maybe maybe he's just here having a good time. I don't is know. He the maybe son he's of the like owner, senior yeah. reporter <laughs> somewhere. I don't know what his deal is. Is that Matt Ishbia's kid? Uh, <laughs> right. You know, who is that guy? Uh, yeah, right. that's what we want. We want that. I mean, that was four years ago, which seems insane. We had Duncan and shout Robinson. out to the Ringer bra- Brass too. I mean, I thought I was right. going to have to jump through hoops and convince people, and I just. I just asked. I was like, hey, you know, I got a few shows going. And, you know, because sometimes they're like, tell me why you need to go. And I was like, you know, was wondering if I'd crumble under that pressure because uh, I really just want to go to have fun and, and you know, do some interviews and stuff like that. But <laughs> no, no, I no. Didn't have to do any of that. It's all right. They don't listen. Uh, but I didn't, God. I, they, I didn't have to do any of that. They were like, yeah, sounds good. Talk to the guy who's booking it. So, uh, I mean, I couldn't believe it. I, I was, I was I texting Tate it. nervously too. And he was just like, you could crash on my, <laughs> on the, on the couch in my hotel room. If you can't figure it out, but we got to get it done. And so thanks to the ringer brass for making this one easy on the boy. We love when the ringer brass comes through with the goods. Um, it sounds like we're all going to be spread out around Las Vegas, like KOC is in one hotel, Rosillo's in one hotel. You're in a different hotel. I'm in my hotel. It sounds like we're all going to be spread out, but we're going to be locked in at the gym and we're going to have a great time. I, I needed a roll dog. You know, that's whenever I go anywhere, um, one, I'm a great plus one, but two, I need someone to roll with. I, I don't like to go places by myself. And in fact, if I have the option, I'll just chill. You know what I mean? I, I'll, I just won't do anything. I'll just watch games or go to the sports book, whatever it is, maybe play blackjack. Who knows? But now that we're together, we're going to be rolling around. We're going to have a great time. Um, shout out to Summer League. Shout out to uh, the Ringer Brass for making it possible. Shout out Bill Simmons, who will be at Summer League as well. Um, he was telling me about that. So that's going to be excited. We're going to see Wimbenyama on Friday. Play my guy, Brandon Miller. That's going to be um, a sight to behold, <laughs> I think. Uh, you know, who knows? We'll see what happens with that. But um, yeah, I'm going to North Carolina, flying to North Carolina tomorrow. I'm going to be down at Ocean Isle Beach. Shout out to Brunswick County Beaches. Um, you know, down through the 4th of July and then flying straight from Myrtle Beach, Kyle, to Las Vegas might be the most degenerate flight in the what entire country. Um, I think only they're Vanna White. Back. They're going to, you're oh, going to be randomly selected. <laughs> I, I always like, I'm so morbid that I'll think about flights that they're like, the FA is okay to let go down. Like if some have to go down, they're like, yeah, that's <laughs> all right. You know, it's probably better for the world. I feel like the, the Myrtle Beach to Vegas flight, that that's one that's flagged. Like if, <laughs> if there's any trouble in the air, they're like, yeah, we, we can let that one slide. If there's so, two emergencies at the same time. It's just like, all right, we'll take yeah, the one that's not going. It's like, we can only Myrtle get Beach to, to one. We can only get to one. It's like the dark night when, you know, it's like, you can go to, to Harvey or you can go to Rachel, you know what yeah. I mean? Like I, I think that I'm Rachel. Um, if I'm on the Myrtle <laughs> Beach to Vegas flight, so uh, you know, w- pray for me. But um, yeah, it's going to be a nice Fourth of July. I hope everyone has a nice, for- nice Fourth of July. We're going to be doing shows from Summer League. Kyle Mann will be there, boots on the ground. So um, we'll have him to do like a Sunday night recap of everything we saw. That's going to be fun. We're going to try try to find some guests, boots on the ground. I'm just fired up. I mean, like I said, it's been the pandemic kind of ruined everything, but it's been four years since I've gone to summer league. So, um, 
yeah, I mean, I, I'm getting choked up just thinking about it. I, I mean, it, it moves me. It moves the needle. Um, it kind of recenters and resets everyone. I'm excited to see the ringer people boots on the ground. Like I said, we're going to be doing the FanDuel TV stuff. I mean, there's just a lot going on, a lot of big plans. And uh, thanks to everyone for listening to the show. Thanks to Nicole for coming on the show. Um, Kyle, anything else? Any shout outs from you before we get out of here? Uh, sure. I mean, just uh, you, you kind of had a nice monologue going in there when you were talking about Paolo and Team USA. And I didn't really know any of this stuff until you went over it. And that's great news. Yeah. I would just say, you know, Italy, just kind of stay in line. I mean, the last time you guys beefed with the USA, I mean, read a book. You saw how that went. So, yeah, you know how uh, that happened. Uh, I would just, my, uh, my grandparents were boots on the ground. That's keep right. Keep it respectful. You know, that's all I'd say about that. <laughs> um, with all due respect. That's how you say it. With all due respect. <laughs> and you know what respect you do. Yeah, with all due respect. And then shout out to Coach K. I just, my my you know my headline thing why coach k thinks the ncaa should run college basketball like a business so um god damn it if if uh if that's not giving you hope then uh what else is so i uh, uh i gotta figure out who, who coach k knows that watches the bear i assume it's jj reddick and i assume that's how he i don't know how he did this but this is a, a great marketing move for coach k i have like at this point kyle because of the way that it ended Sometimes I, I laugh when I think about him and sometimes I just have to tip my cap in respect. You know what I mean? And I have to respect that one of the hottest shows, the ringers talking about it. You know, everybody loves the bear. Somehow Coach K has weaseled his way in to be the star of the bear. And uh, it's probably Tommy Alter at the heart of this whole thing. It's JJ and Tommy Alter. <laughs> let's be honest. I'm giving JJ credit for Tommy's work yet again. Tommy, <laughs> uh, Tommy's the real star there. He's making that happen. He is the great connector. I think we got to get him on the show, by the way. Um, I, I, the other day, uh, you know, I was I was thinking about guests. Uh, by the way, we're going to get Joe Tipton of Tipton Edits is going to come on July nice. 12th. Um, we got that one booked. That's going to be fun. Get his little backstory. How does he make all these edits? How is there enough time in the world? Um, you know, it's like David Baldacci. It's like, how does this guy write so many books? I don't get it. You know what I mean? That is me with Joe Tipton. Can't wait for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, j- just in general, uh, what was I talking about before? The, a Tommy the, Alter redemption arc would a be Tommy great. Alter I mean, redemption the arc. Most, yeah. The most adversarial guest I think we ever had, who who then actually, he pitched himself and then came on the show like, I mean, so when's the real interview start? It was, uh, it was uh, you, you could find it somewhere. Type in One Shiny Podcast, Tommy Alter. I'm sure it'll come up. Titus was so flustered at the end of that. He was it like, was I combative. mean, what the hell just happened? It was combative. Uh, I, I thought Titus was going to kill him at that point. Um, yeah, I don't even think I talked on that show because I was laughing so hard. Because uh, <laughs> like you said, Tommy Tommy basically sold us on coming on the show yeah. and then came out swinging. And uh, I, it was the old rope-a-dope. Uh, and yeah. I think he had like a boxing shirt on as he was doing it. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, that was a, that was a time. But yeah, we got to get him back on the show. Um, again, the show is One Shining Podcast. We appreciate everyone tuning in. We will be back uh, reporting live from Summer League. We might do a show in between to get you prepped for Summer League. We're going to figure it out based on uh, schedules and things over the holiday. But in general, uh, we will be around next week. We will be back fully ready to go from Summer League, and we will see you then. 